When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, joined again by... Your other host, Rachel Jamison. It's been a while, Rachel. We've been doing interviews and had other things going on. And we haven't... We haven't. When's the last time we've done a podcast together? It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? I think it has been a few weeks, but I think yeah. at this point... The good news is we both seem fully recovered. So. <laughs> well, somewhat. Energy right? levels on me. That may not have anything to do with sickness, but I've just got a right. lot going on. But yeah, yeah. Back to normal for the most part. Yeah, for sure. You look yeah. like you're doing a lot better. You seem like you got all kinds of energy. I do. I do. I don't I don't remember if I shared in the homestead front porch, but my doctor sent me for a vitamin infusion and um, it just... <laughs> I'll, if I could do that once a month, if I could afford it once a month, I would do it because it definitely turned things around. Really? I've never had anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Nice. Well, good. You're yeah. feeling good. What's been happening on your homestead lately? Well, um, I planted strawberries and asparagus, beets, carrots, onions, um, added up some of the potato plants, which is an experiment that we could probably get into later, but... um actually planted the seed pods from the potatoes and I have little s- potato plants. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then we finished putting the sides on our trailer and we mulched a bunch of leaves. And yesterday I took a mushroom identification class. Yeah, I've seen that, that on Facebook. How'd fun. that go for you? Yeah. That was really fun. I, um, I feel a lot more confident about going into the woods and eating a mushroom and not dying. <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> yes. And that's like been my fear. Like I can identify three very safely and I feel comfortable eating them, but the rest terrified me. And now uh-huh. I'm not quite as terrified. So, yeah. Yeah. And it was a really good class. <clears throat> we actually had um, Jill and Ryan on the podcast last Friday yeah. or last the, fall. They're the ones that did the, uh, the class. Yeah. Term. Yeah, so they did the class and they're just they're very very knowledgeable and um so it was really fun. Really fun. Awesome, Me and like yeah. 50 other people were there. Wow, yeah, I'd love yeah. to take a class like that locally around here cuz I'm the same way. There's there's like a couple that I could you know uh safely feel okay with, but there's a bunch that I don't know anything about and I would be like I've always felt like, you know, 
fear in that case is a good thing because fear is probably what's keeping me alive because I'm just not throwing things in my mouth that I shouldn't be. But um, right. yeah, I would like to know more about mushrooms. Mushrooms is something that I would I would definitely like to be able to. I love mushrooms for one thing, and I know there's just so many health benefits to them, and there's a lot of reasons I'd want to be you know trying different varieties of mushrooms. But yeah, I, I, I'm afraid to try anything. I'm not, yeah. I'm just not a hundred percent sure. There's some I look at and I go, I'm pretty sure that's it. But yeah, I, I just feel like I need some, somebody to kind of coach me along on that. To be sure, you know? Yeah. There's some really bad ones out there that mm -hmm. definitely will kill you dead. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Yeah. I don't want those. And, yeah. I don't want those. And there's probably some that make you see some funny things. Well, what's been going on my homestead this week is. A lot of failures. My pump on my aquaponic system failed. It looks like it finally burned up, but that's a pretty old pump. I think I've had that for about seven or eight years at least. It's a pretty old pump, so it's probably due. Um, and I haven't fixed it yet, but I so I've been just kind of watering the stuff that's in those beds. But the problem is when that happens, I'm not actually filtering the water that's in the tank. So I need to get that fixed next couple of days because I'm not filtering the water for the fish right now. Um, so I need to get that fixed before that starts getting too much, uh, you know, the bad in that water. So, uh, right. yeah, I gotta get that, gotta get it on top of that here in the next day or two. I just realized it a couple of days ago, but I was working and I didn't have time to mess with it. So yeah, and then today or tomorrow, I'm going to have to, I have another pump, a smaller pump that I think would work. It's just, I'm going to have to run it longer. So there's that. And the thing that's breaking my heart the most is I think my fig tree didn't make it through the winter. Oh no. Uh, so it still was, hasn't. No buds. Every tree in here has either got buds or leaves. That one has no buds. It looks pretty brittle. I think it died. <laughs> oh man! I know. Now I have heard many people will say they will die off at the top, but come back from the bottom. That you know what? That's why I haven't done anything with it because because a lot of people actually they'll coppice them, just yeah. cut them down. So I'm thinking I didn't coppice it, but I'm thinking maybe some shoots start might start coming up from the roots or something down below. I don't know. Fingers. Yeah, I'm hoping. So I'm just kind of leaving it alone. It's in a guild with a few other trees and plants. So it's not really hurting anything. It just looks like a stick sticking up. But I'm hoping. Yeah, because it right now it doesn't look good, though. It looks pretty, pretty dead. So, but I'm hoping it comes back thinking it's not going to, though. Another uh, than that, I've been planting a lot of things like you, just getting stuff in the ground, getting yep. some seeds. Mostly it's been um seeds the stuff that i'm starting i haven't put any tomatoes or peppers or anything yeah, like that in yet i'm probably gonna wait another week or so for that because we you know it's been getting low 30s not freezing but close and right, yep. it wouldn't take much to go over the top of that and i don't really feel like covering things up so i'm just gonna wait put everything in yep. and um yeah i mean that's kind of been it and then we just had the busyness of life and unexpected changes in our family and we are now the uh proud foster parents of a nephew so i didn't know if i wanted to talk about that on here or not but a three-year-old autistic nephew is staying with us and it's a challenge uh but you know it's also a blessing yeah and uh makes me feel like an old old man chasing a three-year-old around but uh you if know you, shape, you will get back in shape yeah the good thing about yeah, i have grandkids and i'll chase them around but then you send them home with their parents this one lives here so it's like it's non-stop chasing and it's good though it's 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 good for him it's good for us so i'm glad we yeah. can get help in that situation right now and hopefully it won't be long term and we'll just see how that goes but yeah there's that and that was an unexpected thing in our life but uh, that happened in the last week and it's been an adjustment but uh it's, it's gonna be all good i think and besides that, you and I both have news, don't we? We're going to be speakers 
teaching some sessions at the Indiana Homesteading Conference. Um, you have a session. I have a right now. I have three sessions I'm teaching, yeah. so um, that'll be fun. We got invited to to teach on some things, and um, you're going to be doing canning. Yep, talking about canning methods. Canning. Yep. Introduction to some canning methods. I'm doing one on uh, urban homesteading for those who are just. You know, I always wanted, it's just my thing. You know, it's like, I talk about urban yeah. homesteading because it's like, I come into contact with so many people that talk about wanting to be a homesteader someday, but they live in a city and they have a small backyard. And I'm like, you can be a homesteader. And I always just want to convince people, you know? So I want to talk, do a session on that. I'm doing a session on Caternix quail. And then I'm doing one on um, budget friend, friendly hunting to fill the homestead freezer. So just some fun topics that I enjoy and those will be good. And there's a lot of sessions going on. So if you're close, if you're in the surrounding States or in Indiana and it's in October, um, I'm surprised when I went to the website, just how affordable it is. And um, they have some really great speakers coming. Yeah. Joel Salatin's going to be there and uh, you're uh, some folks that you've met before. Um, The Doherty's. Yeah. They're going to be be there. there. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a few big speakers there and a lot of folks uh, teaching on a lot of good topics, too. And they really have a heart to not just do these sessions. They want you to leave with something that you can put to use on your homestead. And I love the whole attitude behind that. And uh, I just think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a really good conference. I think it's going to be really yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I've spoke with the, one of the organizers and, and their heart is just very yeah. similar to ours where, you know, homesteading where you're at, you don't have to have hundreds of acres. You don't have to have a milk cow. It's um, just encouraging people to grow where they're planted. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's gonna be <laughs> a lot of fun and yeah, good, good little opportunity for us to, to give something to the community there by speaking and, I think we're going to meet some uh, cool people too. So I'll be fun. So, Hey, yeah, like I said, if, you're, if you can, if listeners can come, come meet us, we'll be there. And, uh, who knows what, how far it'll go. I know we're doing the sessions, but we're going to have a table also. And I don't know what all we're going to do with that, but yep. who knows? We'll, we'll see where we it goes. We have some time to figure it out. It's yeah, uh, like not said, until it's, October. Yeah. October 21st and 22nd, I believe. So yeah. get your tickets though. I mean, I don't know how quick it'll sell out. It's at the American Marion County fairgrounds in Indianapolis. So It'll be a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's our big news for that. But, uh, well, let's talk about some book recommendations. Uh, what do you got for us this week, Rachel? I have this book. It's a, it's a little bit of an older book, but it's called Carrots Love Tomatoes, Secrets of Companion Planting for Successful Gardening. And, um, of course, it was put, not put out by Story Book Publications, which they always have some great stuff for homesteading. And um, it was written in 1975, but it's still really applicable. Harold can see my copy yeah, here. See but, it. um, it's just nice. It goes um, plant by plant, actually. And it'll, it does herbs and vegetables and fruits and um, just talks about what companion plants work well together, what plants don't work well together. And it goes pretty in depth with some of the breeds. Sometimes you, you know, you find a book that will talk mostly about just tomatoes and mm-hmm. then you're like, but what about this weird variety I'm growing over here? And, and, um, it, she goes in quite into depth. Like she talks about companion plants for St. John's wort and thistle. And so just many different that plants like that are book. even unusual, maybe, and hard to find information about, yeah. um, in the nut section, she talks about, different plants like filberts and hickories 
berries and pecans. So it's pretty, I feel like it's really, because of the varieties she puts in here, I feel like it fits really well with permaculture because we tend yeah. to use some of these different plants. I have a really good uh, companion planting book as well. I mean, I'm not, not for the not for my book recommendation today, but I have one on my shelf, and that one sounds like a really good one too. It sounds like it probably goes into some things the other one doesn't go into, so I ought to yeah. pick that up. That looks yeah. like a great book, and you can get some pretty decent priced used copies um, on Amazon too. Sold. You talked me into it. it. It's I on my list. My, I found <laughs> mine at the local thrift store when they had a fifty cent book sale. There you go. I love yeah. running across deals like that. Yeah. I may have oh, come man. home with a very I, I don't large know if a lot of, books. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of libraries do this, but our library has a bookstore downstairs. And then they just, because yes. if they have multiple copies of books, eventually they'll thin them down to maybe one or two copies and they'll get rid of a lot of books. And yep. they have, I have bought so many. Now, I haven't been down there in a couple of years, but I used to go there like once a month. I'd pop in and I'd walk out with at least two or three books, you know. And I and they'd sell them for like 50 cents or whatever it was, uh, 25 cents, right. something like that. Cheap. I ended up with some great books over the years going to my library bookstore. So I don't know if it's a lot a of libraries. It's a dangerous place for book yes, like ourselves. I, <laughs> I was staying down there for hours just looking at books because it's a pretty decent little size bookstore. Yeah. Cheap books, you know, and, and man, I'd have so many. And then you end up getting rid of some of them, you know, because right. they're not what you thought they would be. But for a quarter or something, you're like, why not? I'll take a chance on it. Right, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, I had some great. I still got some great books on my shelf from that. Well, my pick today is uh, The Backyard Homestead by Carlene uh, Madigan. Um, I actually have the uh, Kindle version of this book, uh, but uh, I mean, I've, it's a pretty popular book. Um, and it's basically talks about uh, homesteading on a quarter acre or less. Oh, yep. I'm and familiar. it's just a great, mm -hmm. I think it's a great beginner's homesteader book is what I think it, it is. is. It's, it really just kind of lays out a plan for growing what you need to to grow and homesteading, you know, in a small lot, which I, which always appeals to me because it was my, it is yeah. my situation. Um, of course the subtitle of that book is something like grow everything you need on a quarter acre, which probably isn't accurate, but, um, It'd be it's, hard. It, it's a good little book though. I like it. It's a good book. It so is. I suggest it, uh, to anybody who's new to homesteading or maybe considering just getting started in homesteading uh, or maybe just in an urban lot and you've started, but you want to know what more you could do. It has some good suggestions in there. So it's a good book. I think I've checked that one out a couple of times from the library, but I don't own it. But it's yeah, a pretty it popular good. book. I mm -hmm. think it's, yeah, I think a lot of people own it already, but it's, it's a popular one. I, I picked it up years ago. It's a good one though. I like it. It's a fun read. Yes. Well, yes, today we're going to talk about growing potatoes on the homestead and I almost feel like Rachel, I'm interviewing you for this because <laughs> I, I'm a potato eater. I love potatoes. I love growing potatoes. And I would say I grow potato plants. Great. My, the, the foliage is always so beautiful and great, but when I go to dig up the tubers, I'm usually pretty disappointed on the, the size of my potatoes and the number of my potatoes. I think I was telling you earlier that um, in all the years, I've been growing potatoes for years now, uh, five, six, seven years ago. I don't know. It was a few years ago. I had this crop that was amazing. I mean, I had a year that I thought I am a potato grower now. I mean, this is what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome at this. I had this, this bumper crop, uh, hundreds of pounds of potatoes. I felt so great about it. And I've never been able to uh, to make that happen again like that. It's never been near as good. I think it was just a perfect weather year, perfect 
you know, rainfall. Maybe I even think this, this was back before my soil even got as good as it is. And I think one of the issues I have now, which we can talk about later is that my soil is so nitrogen rich that it actually ends up producing this really great foliage and not enough root. Well, and, and you might be a little bit more neutral pH. And well. I'm a little more neutral pH, which is not usually potatoes, which we can talk about too, is like a little bit acidic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in some in some ways, I almost think my soil has advanced beyond where it really needs to be for potatoes. And yeah. I need to maybe find the worst parts of my garden. Maybe your new potatoes. spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we can get into all that later. But yeah, I feel like you you do a lot better with potatoes than I do. You you're you're a you're a better potato grower. <laughs> well, for now, you know, you learn you learn that as much as you think you know, you don't really know. You know, yeah. you just I, keep. If there's always more to learn. We always yeah. have an okay crop. I mean, I always feel like it's okay, you know, but uh, I never get as much as I'd like for the number of potatoes I plant. And I've tried a lot of different ways, which we can talk about too later. Um, yeah, I've tried methods. several different ways too. Yeah. And I'm, for me, well, and we can talk about it later, but for me, growing in the ground has hands down been the most prolific. Yeah. I think it's been for most, so, the most part, it's been my best yeah. way too. Um, but let's just talk about potatoes in general. Can you guys talk about potatoes? Well, potatoes are part of the nightshade family, and most people are familiar with those plants, but might not be familiar with that term. So that would be your tomatoes, peppers, and eggplants. Yeah. So those are kind of all related. The differences between potatoes and those three is those three kind of like a lot more of the summer um, climate. They like a more heat. Potatoes mm -hmm. actually do a little bit better when it's a bit cooler or if yeah. you are Southern, it might be a good winter crop for you. They just, yeah. they don't love the heat like your tomatoes, peppers and eggplant do. Yeah. Those just love the heat and thrive in it. Um, potatoes kind of like, I mean, they're from the Andes mountain region. So they're more of a cooler crop plant, yeah. but not cold, not freezing, but just that those shoulder seasons where it's like, 60 or 50 degrees to like 70 75 degrees they they just love that and maybe that's yeah. why they do so well here because i live so far north that's a lot of what we get here yeah yeah and you so, think about a lot like i think about like yukon golds or like a canadian um yeah. a potato i think about like um i mean you look at like idaho and you look at their weather and now it's just famous for potatoes right i mean you got your rust yeah, michigan is too things Michigan's like that famous. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a plant that loves those conditions uh, a lot more. And here I'm probably on that line where it's a little bit tougher and I have to be more, because there are, like, I can tell you, there are some potatoes that I grow a lot better than others. Right. Like, and I, we can get into that later when we start talking about varieties, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple varieties that do better than, um, than ones that I really like, you know, there's the ones I really, really like. There's like really big you know, nice potatoes is like, they don't do as well here. Yeah. Is some That's of the like interesting. Okay. smaller ones, like the red potatoes do really good. Purple potatoes do okay. pretty good here. Like those like Yukons and things. I, I have less luck with those. Okay. Um, yeah. So, which we can talk about, like, like I said later. Um, that's, I mean, that's the, the breakdown of kind of potatoes in a nutshell, but yeah. why should like I grow my own instead of just going down to the store? I mean, potatoes aren't crazy expensive. Um, generally, why should I, grow my own rather than go buy them. So for me, I prefer if it 
it's a root, especially, I really prefer that it is an organic because mm-hmm. otherwise they're just sitting in those pesticides. But um, yeah. potatoes grow pretty easily and they grow tons of them. But I grow my food for nutrient density, which is mm-hmm. why I prefer to grow a garden because I could probably go buy from the store, even organic. I could probably still not spend a ton of money and do that and just work instead of working in my garden. But yeah. I enjoy working in my garden. But um, for me, I grow potatoes because the nutrient density and the flavor, mm-hmm. you will never, it's like that homegrown tomato. You can go to the store and get a tomato or you can have that homegrown tomato. Yeah, and huge difference. Yeah. The difference in taste. It's different for a potato I never too. knew because we had, we just, we didn't start growing potatoes till a few years ago. All these yeah. years of gardening, I kind of had that same mentality. Well, I can just go to the store and buy potatoes and they're cheap, but man, the flavor is so yeah. amazing. And then, and then the other thing too is, um, you know, you get your nutrient density when you grow in better soil, but the other thing too is the varieties. Like you go to the store and I don't know, you get five, seven different varieties at the store. But if you go to some of the seed catalogs where I placed below in the show notes and you've got like a hundred different varieties. Oh, yeah. Purple and fingerling and early potatoes and late potatoes Mm -hmm. and, you know, your Yukon gold, your russets. I mean, there is so many varieties. The sky's kind of the limit. And um, I I just think it's fun. And, And it's really, I feel like it's rewarding. And I think especially if you're gardening with kids, it is so fun for them to stick that fork in the ground and bring up <laughs> all those potatoes. I mean, what kid doesn't like grow your own French fries? Yeah, it's like an Easter egg. You pop it up. You don't know what you, you yeah. know what's under there. I mean, most plants when they're growing, you see you right. see what it is. You know what you have. With potatoes, it's like the surprise, you know. I mean, it could be it's a good like surprise a or a present. bad surprise. So yeah. you, you stick that fork down, you start popping up, and it's like, wow, you know, you see a big old potato pop up, and it's like, well, that's, and then you start just digging everywhere, and here they are. That's exciting. It's a lot of fun, especially it when is. you see it really paying off. It's exciting, you know, to dig those. I up. find it fun. It's like a treasure hunt or yeah. opening a present after you've waited and babied that plant all spring and summer long, and then suddenly you get to see. see your reward and you can well we can get into that later but you can start harvesting them a little bit sooner if you want Mm -hmm. smaller ones but absolutely yeah so that's why i grow i like to grow for variety and flavor and um and you get yourself i mean there's nothing like a fresh baked potato with some butter on it it's out of this world the 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 difference in flavor is just out of this world compared to even if you compare a russet to a russet at the store it's yeah, not comparable. For me, no. well, I mean, most people know when I first got into homesteading, it was for for health reasons. I wanted healthy food. I wanted food that wasn't yeah. being sprayed. I, I just didn't want the chemicals. I just wanted, you know, nutrient-dense food. And so when I seen there, – there's this list that gets put out every year called the Dirty Dozen. It's put out – I can't remember the environmental yeah. group that puts it out. I think and it's now, the Environmental at, Working Group. Yeah, Environmental Working Group. You're right. Now, in the last two years, I think actually – uh, potatoes got bumped off of that list, but not because they're not crazy sprayed, just because there's other things that they right. declare worse than that. Yeah. But up until just a couple of years ago, potatoes were always on that list. And so early on, it's like, okay, th- these are the, when you look at that list, like, at least these 12 things, if or whatever out of those 12 things that I like to eat, I'm definitely going to grow because these are considered the worst of the worst for pesticides. 
being, yep. and you think about that potato, like I said, sitting in the ground and it's just a sponge. It's absorbing all that stuff. They're, they're, they have a porous skin yeah. and it just absorbs those pesticides. Um, and then even beyond that, even in the stores, even if you're, you can somehow get that off. It, then they spray them with these uh, sprouting inhibitors yes. to keep them, the buds yeah. from sprouting. And it's like, that's even more chemicals, you know? And it's like, I just didn't want the chemicals, you know? So I'm like, I want to grow exactly. my own potatoes. So that was a, the number one reason for me why I said, I want to grow my own. And that's still an issue, you know? And it's why I want to have a lot of potatoes and why I want to have more. So we're going to let you yeah. teach me how I can have well, a better crop. <laughs> I can try anyways. <laughs> well, let's talk about, let's talk about potato varieties a little bit. You did a little bit there, the different breeds mature. They, of course they mature at different rates, um, yeah. different flavors. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, What's this? You, you shared a, a Fedco's uh, spreadsheet. Uh, oh, my gosh. This is the coolest thing. So Fedco is known for their very interesting drawings in their catalogs. But they mm -hmm. have this um, spreadsheet that's called Potatoes at a Glance. And you can go into that. And I have a link in the show notes for this so everybody can go into it. But it goes, I don't even know how many potatoes are in here. Oh, probably about, a. I don't know, looks like 60 or 70 maybe. Wow. But it goes through each variety um, and it has links you can click to go order. Now, some of these are probably out of order because we're getting to this potato thing a little bit late this year. But um, yeah. it talks about the skin color, the flesh color, how their size, their texture, how well they store, um, how scab resistant they are. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But scab is a disease that they get. So it's pretty, it's a pretty complete list if you wanted to find a few varieties to pick and try for yourself. Um, and we're talking about seed potatoes, like buying the tubers. And so when you get a potato out of the ground and you use that, that's a clone of the plant. Mm -hmm. So these are called seed potatoes. So you can buy those Um you can a lot of times you can find them locally at like feed stores and stuff like that where they sell them. I of course prefer organic. And the nice part about buying your seed, your potato seed from somewhere like um, I have Wood Prairie Family Farm on here. Theirs are certified organic, and they grow those in Maine, which is for me equivalent for yeah. our cold our cold area. But theirs are certified organic, and you want you want to get seed potatoes because they're less likely to have disease because they have kept them that way. Now you can go to the store and get organic potatoes, but you're not going to have probably the quality of seed that you would if you actually order the seed from a company like Fedco or High Mowing Seeds or Wood Prairie Family Farms. Could, could be part of my issue because what I've done every year I've grown potatoes is I go down to the local feed store, which is my rural King. And they have the big bins down there of like three different varieties. And I buy those three varieties. I buy, you know, a, a bunch of each and I plant those three varieties. And I think those, those three varieties are the Yukon gold, the red Pontiac and the white Kennebec. And okay. I always do really good, pretty good with the red Pontiac. And then the Yukon gold and the white Kennebec, I don't do as well with. Um, I get some, but I don't get as much and, but the, the red ones grow great. The red Pontiacs seem to grow pretty good. 
probably not as big as as what you get them, but they 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 decent. I would say middle of the road, which makes a great makes great for mashed potatoes. Makes great for like putting in like with roasts and things like that in a slow right, cooker right. or whatever. Really good for that. So I get a lot of those, but that's all they have available there, and that's all yeah. I buy, and that's all I've planted every year. And yeah, I see, should probably I, get on and try to find some better some better seed potatoes. Maybe I next spent year. the money to get seed potatoes a couple of years ago, and now I've just saved from that mm-hmm. and planted those. But when you save, obviously you have to save the best. So yeah, yeah, and that's another that's a more advanced thing. But that's um, but I did spend the money to get a variety that looked like it would grow well here and i believe i have mostly russet just because i wanted them to store in the winter well and those yeah. are long-term storage and yukon gold is also a potato that's good for that but yeah it's just, like i said i don't get enough and i don't have a lot of really. space so yeah. i basically just grew russet and i did mm-hmm. grow kennebec too russet and yeah. kennebec which do well up here in the north um but i got certified seed Instead of getting it from the store. Now, the years that I didn't do well, I bought from the store, and I don't know why it do, didn't do well. Do they? Like, I mean, when I say them, from the store, I bought from the grocery store. Oh, when you buy yeah. them uh, online from places like Fedco or wherever you get them at, um, do they send you like whole potatoes or are they already chitted? Yep. They send me whole potatoes. Okay. That have a couple, usually they're just starting to get a few eyes, and they send them usually in a box inside of a paper bag. Is how I've always gotten them. Uh-huh. Um, I've ordered from Fedco and from Wood Prairie Family Farm. Um, I have not ordered from High Mowing, but I know somebody that actually grow has grows those and really likes them. Okay. So yeah, they, so, um, yeah. I guess we have to talk about this next, where you get your whole potato. Mm-hmm. I just cramming the whole potato in the ground. What well, you if doing? it's small enough, yeah, I if it's will, a little like, one, yeah, yeah, like probably about the size of like a chicken egg. Okay, that's kind of about the size. You don't want to go too small. I found in the past when I went too small, it just the plant didn't do well. But if you get a bigger spud, you can cut it. And I'm avoiding saying the word because it can come across. The wrong. word is chitting it's c-h-i-t-t-i-n-g so you have to chit your potatoes and it is you have to be careful when you say that right right Uh, but that that's the term that is the term yeah so you you cut it in half and then you try you try to get at least one of the eyes on there i usually try to get two eyes two or three for me Yeah. yeah i try to go two or three yeah and then you will let that potato kind of dry out and air out and they call it scab over, but it doesn't really form a scab. It just gets so it's dry yeah. and um, because otherwise it's kind of prone disease to disease. Yeah. If you stick At in the least like that. a day or so it takes <laughs> for it to kind of dry out on that side. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if you get your potatoes and they don't have any eyes on them, what you can do is just, I just lay them out on my kitchen table, which gets some sun for a couple of weeks and they'll start to grow eyes. Yeah. And um, you don't have to do that. You can put them in the ground without that. It just takes a little bit longer for them to get going. And way. and some potatoes that actually store better, like a Russ or like a Yukon Gold, actually have less size. So it's actually you yes. have to basically take a bigger chunk of those a lot of times. Yes. I've noticed anyway. It's been my experience. Yeah, they do. Is that's one of the reasons that makes them such a great storing potato is because they have less size. 
Yeah. So that's what, that's how I get them started. Um, usually when they come in the mail and they're seed potatoes, they already have some eyes started yeah. on them, but in case they don't, you can do that. Um, yeah. Okay. So, then- so you, so you got your pile of, uh, chitted potatoes, uh, your seeds. Um, so what are you going to do with them? You just plop them in the ground right away. I mean, we're going to wait till they scab what you, right. Some people call scabbing over drying out and then you're going to take them out and plant them. When can you plant them? How do you plant them? Let's jump into that. So I plant two to four weeks before my last frost date, which for me is, it's kind of iffy, but it's now? like May 15th okay. to the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Kind of ish. Our grow zone, I don't know about you guys, but our grow zone has kind of shifted over the years. But I still, because it's potatoes and it's not tomatoes, I have actually already planted. So I planted mine two weeks ago because you can do two to four weeks before your last frost date. I planted mine um, a few weeks ago. One of the ideal temperature, if you have a way to measure your ground temperature, it's a little bit more accurate. So 45 degrees. They will not start putting up their sprouts through the ground until it's time anyways. You're going to need rain and some heat for that to happen. Um, I've never had an issue with mine freezing, but I also haven't pushed that boundary too far from that two to four weeks. There was I know one some year, people do. There was one year I planted mine really early and they actually were sprouting. They were up like six inches or so. And then we got a, we got a late frost. And I thought for sure everything was dead. And I actually remember sharing it in the face front porch Facebook group and took a picture of it. I was like, yeah, I think I lost them. What do you guys think? And there was like several people go, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to come back. And sure enough, they were, they, I mean, they got hit and you could see, mm-hmm. they looked like they were dying. They kind of shriveled up or laying down and they right back to life. I mean, they came right back. Everything was fine. So um, yeah, they're pretty they resilient. Them. Yeah, they are. Uh, I was kind of surprised by that. I thought for sure they were dead. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, and then the other thing I should mention is you do want, they don't require tons of sun. Like there's their sibling plants, the tomato, pepper, and eggplant, but they do need about six hours of daylight, which is pretty easy for most people to get unless you're totally in the woods somewhere. I've always had them in full sun. I didn't know if they would do better with less. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think it would depend. If you were somewhere that dries out easy, you would probably want to make sure they got less sun. Okay. Um, yeah. The And then they do, we talked about this earlier, they do like slightly acidic soil. Yeah. I, I think there's some is. varieties that do better in more yeah. neutral soil. Um, definitely the Kennebec and the Yukon both. I was reading their documentation. And they both like it. Like, mm-hmm. um, what was it? Four, four point eight to 5.4, I believe is what it said. So, I mean, that's pretty acidic. I mean, way more so than, I mean, that's where they do best. So, and that's where it's nice to, um, go into and order these varieties online because you can pick one that works a little bit better for your soil. If you do a little bit of homework. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense to me though, because a lot of people I used to know growing up, I remember everybody that grew potatoes always put their wood ashes on their potatoes around their potatoes. And now it makes sense to me because I didn't realize, you know, that that's why they did it, but that's why it, it really helped that sulfur would increase the um, yeah. acidity and um, yeah, better for the potatoes. Yeah. We have a lot of oak here. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I do with, because my soil has gotten improved so much, I don't have 
the acidity like I used to with the oaks being there. But we will add um, the oak leaf mold, which is okay. mostly what yeah. we have here. When I hill mine, which we'll talk about in a second, but when I hill my potatoes, I'll add compost and then some leaf matter and probably usually some straw. Doesn't that um, neutralize your soil a little bit though? The what? I mean, adding the compost and the leaf mold. It might a little bit. We have the leaf mold though is it's not highly composted. It's pretty shredded. Basically it's usually from last year. Our, and it's almost all oaks. That's all we have around our house. So I don't know. It's what makes my, my potatoes thrive. (laughs) I'm just taking, I'm soaking it in here. I'm looking for the advice. Like I said, I, this is a lot of things I grow great. And this is not one of them. I mean, I do okay with it, but I want to do better with my potatoes because it is one of them bumper crops. I just feel like it's a high calorie crop. This is a, in some yeah. ways, like you consider like your survival foods, right? And I mean, this is one of them that of I like. vitamin C and potassium. Yeah. 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 And we grow, like to give you an idea how much we grew last year. Now, last year was a bumper crop and I really babied them because I've been doing experiment, kind of doing a potato experiment, but um. My goal, my whole goal last year in my garden was to see how many potatoes I could grow. So they definitely got babied. <laughs> but I grew food. 105 pounds in, I think it was 123 square feet. Wow. Yeah. And we couldn't eat them all. I gave them away. I shredded them <laughs> for hash browns. I canned yeah. them. We made French fries and froze them. <laughs> yep. There is a lot, a lot of them. Which we can get but, into uh, later on, on storing potatoes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, so how I have tried growing is um, I have tried big containers. I got these large, uh, they were, they had mineral buckets from like cows. They're 25 mm-hmm. gallon buckets that I got. Um, I tried in those. It was fair. It didn't do fantastic. I'm not really sure why. I think it was probably the soil. I have tried growing in straw, mm-hmm. which for me, I didn't even add. I did like the Ruth Stout method. I didn't use any soil and that was okay. I did grow potatoes, but not fantastically. Um, the best method that I have found so far is that just the good old fashioned trench method where you, you just dig the trench, you bury the potatoes like four to six inches then you let them come up a little bit and then you hill them again when the leaves get to mm-hmm. be like, you know, eight inches and just hilling them. Just that old fashioned yeah. method, I think, that a lot of people are familiar with. And I don't love doing that method because for the most part, my beds are always no till. And it kind of yeah. bugs me that I'm digging around so deep in my beds. But that is how I have grown the best potatoes for the mm-hmm. last three or four years. And it makes sense because potatoes actually grow up, not down. Yes. Like like a sweet potato grows down. The roots form down yes. and push down. Where a, a regular potato, as you're hilling, it's actually putting off more potatoes in the hill up, yeah. going up. So the more yep. soil you put up, the more growing space it gets. And it'll put out more yep. potatoes. Yeah. So that's why you do that. Yeah. So every time you hill, it adds like... It's like you're building on top of, it's like you're building a hotel up and you just more potatoes, more potatoes. So that is what has worked best for me. Now I have seen videos of people getting amazing potato harvests out of Mm -hmm. potato towers. And yeah, we talk talk a little bit about that, but also when you're hilling, I've seen people not hill with soil, but they do their trench, they plant, they push everything back over, but then they hill with like straw or hay or mulch. And they all actually round that up and it grows through that. And I've seen that too. And that seems like that works pretty good too. 
for some it people. It does. My first part, I always use all soil. And usually the second hilling, I'll use all soil. But then after that, I kind of start to run out of soil because mm-hmm. I'm in such a small garden and I'm also suburban like you are. And that's when I'll start using the compost and the straw and yeah. the leaf. And Whatever you it got. just <laughs> seems to love it. Seems to love it. Now, the bad yeah. part is, is um, the animals and rodents seem to think it's fantastic that I've built them <laughs> a home too. And we've had baby rabbits be born in those little piles, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's what happens when you're battling. Yeah. I've planted them in the ground just like that with the trench. I've done them in um, some, I've actually grown them in tires, which I know a lot of people go to leaching and you shouldn't do that. And I I did it though. I've done it before. It it worked okay. And actually the year that I had a really, really, really good crop, I was growing them like three different ways that year. I had some in the ground. I had some in tires and I had made some of those potato towers. And, and with that was like, you take a, a piece of a uh, fence and you make it into a circle. Yeah. And then you would basically pack straw all around the sides, but you put soil in the middle. And so you're basically like the straw is holding the soil in the yeah. center. And then, but every about foot, I think it was, you'd put like four um, seed potatoes. So you're using a lot of seed potatoes in this one tower. Right. And did it but work? Then, it did, and the potatoes were growing out the sides of the tower. Like the your plants will come out the sides, out the top, kind of everywhere. And then you still have to mound some a little bit on the top, right? That batch that's on the top. Um, but it worked pretty good. And I mean, I got a fair amount. I remember when I first tipped that thing over and all the potatoes that came out, I was pretty surprised, but not really when it considered the amount of seeds I put in there, seed okay. potatoes I put okay. in there. So, I mean, I think that the in the ground trench probably did better. And now last year I did grow bags and I think you remember that. And I was, I was pretty disappointed. And actually I I had some in the ground also that did better than what I had in the bags. And I think the reason though, was I used um, potting soil in those and it was pretty high, pretty nutrient rich soil. And like I said, the plants grew awesome i mean they were like yeah. four feet tall potato plants they looked great yeah and when they laid down and and i got some potatoes out of there but i wasn't impressed i mean it wasn't nothing really giant i mean i made a couple big ones a lot of medium-sized ones and actually a lot of small ones and so i wasn't yeah, potatoes, super impressed with it potatoes don't seem to love really good soil they seem to yeah. like fair soil yeah uh, yeah i think yeah. so too yeah so i think that was part of the issue if i just maybe dug some soil out of the garden somewhere that wasn't so nutrient rich and threw that in there. I might've had better luck with it. I don't know. I mean, it's just, to me, it's like, I thought I had it nailed one year, but I think all the conditions were just right. My soil soil was just right. The weather was just right. Had a really great year. And ever since then, it's just been okay. And, and I think I see a few ways, maybe like maybe getting better seed potatoes, maybe, you know, working with my soil to get the pH right, you know, maybe put some, some wood ash or, or, or something in some sulfur, at least on the, in the soil, do a few little things to try to tweak it to maybe make it yeah. better, produce better. So I, I'm, I'm seeing some potential ways. I, well, can, and I can tell you one of the things that I really paid attention to after talking to my mentor who, you know, lives off grid and he's an amazing grower and I've talked about him before, but, um, he talked a lot about watering mm-hmm. and, Potatoes need quite a bit of water because they're tubers. Mm-hmm. And um, he said one to two inches a week. And I made really sure that my potatoes got one to two inches of water a week. 
And I also, and he said, especially when they set flower, because once they set flower, that's when the tubers are forming. Really? So okay. I was really conscious about getting those adequate water. And I actually used, I got really technical with this. I actually used a water or a moisture meter. Okay. He told me to use that because he's like, you might think that you're giving them enough water, but here in Michigan, we have a lot of sand. And even though I've improved my soil a lot, it drains away a lot of it. So I used that moisture meter to make sure that they were staying evenly moist. Yeah. Um, that, once they set flowers. That definitely gets more difficult with grow bags because they too tend to dry out a lot faster. Yes. So you have to water a lot more to maintain that. So it'd probably take more than one or two inches in a grow bag. Cause especially on that outer edge, they really, gr they dry out pretty fast. Yeah. That yeah. is, I love those grow bags. I have grow bags yeah. and um, I love them, but they, they dry out. So yeah. Some bad. things it I think do crazy. way better in them. A lot of people yeah. grow potatoes in them and, and have really good luck with them. I just think you have to be on top of it and really put a lot of work into yeah. them to get them. Yeah. It might be a great them. place for, um, to me, it's a great place for sweet potatoes because when I did grow sweet potatoes one year, I would, I felt like I was mining. I, they went so deep. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And you just dumped the bag out and then you got them all there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I broke half of them trying to get them out with a fork. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, I know a lot of people grow them in buck, like five gallon buckets. I've seen some really, I mean, I've watched some YouTube videos where I know we'll have like 30, you know, five gallon buckets with potato plants in them and they just, they get hundreds of pounds. You know, I've just seen I a think lot it of was, um, I was watching MI Gardener and he got tons of them out yeah. of containers because he's growing also in a similar manner as us inside of a city you know mm -hmm. suburban yeah. urban lots but yeah so the other thing that can happen speaking of watering is diseases and pests so oh, yeah. potatoes are part of the tomato family and tomatoes and potatoes are both really susceptible to blights yeah blight's been an issue i've had with them before early yeah. blight and they just they do not like um blight just breeds with moisture and it comes from the soil, but and that was one of the reasons I also started mulching somewhat with the straw was so that mm -hmm. that soil didn't splash up onto the leaves and stuff, but you're burying the leaves, which is mm. why potatoes are so susceptible. Yeah. So I tried to water from below and I tried to water in the morning. So it gave the rest of the day to kind of dry the leaves off. And so that was what I did with watering to avoid blight. And I just kept a really good eye on it. Um, there's different treatments, different people need use. I really haven't battled it too much. So I'm not really up to date on what people use for blights. I think, no, that's a different disease that I use that for. So I'm not going to speak to that. But Yeah, um, there's some the different things. I mean, there's some different yeah. methods, organic methods. Honestly, I've tried a bunch of them for tomatoes. None of them have worked perfectly. I wouldn't say I've ever been able to get rid of blight, but maybe just slow it down and contain yeah. it until harvest. <laughs> you know, that's pretty yeah. much where I've always yeah, been with blight. That's basically, yeah. yeah. And with my tomatoes, my best thing I've done with with tomatoes, but I don't do this with potatoes because you kind of can't, is is pruning up the leaves to get yeah. them away from the ground. Yeah, that and just bottom watering. Yeah. Yep. Bottom watering is yeah. definitely your friend with those, especially if you've had blight issues. And then rotating. Yeah. Um, is going to be really important with those yeah. crops. So if you're growing tomatoes and potatoes, peppers, and eggplants, you're going to want to make sure none of those go to that same family spot again next year, especially right. if you're battling any of 
these diseases. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, the other thing that's an issue, which I have battled, is potato beetles. Um, had a little bit of problem with those. Not real bad, but I've had a few. Yeah. Last year, I didn't have too many issues. A couple years ago, I did. Um, but it's the same thing. I'm not growing acres and acres of them, so I can do this. But every morning, I would go out with my soapy water. And pick and- them, yeah. Hand pick them and drown them. Yeah, you can do that. I, neem oil. I, they're they're a pretty delicate bug. They're not real hard to kill. Neem oil, uh, make, yep. you know, a diluted solution with neem oil will work. Um, I think diatomaceous earth will actually uh, kill might. them as well. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. So you could use that when it's dry outside. But again, some of these things like neem oil and like diatomaceous earth, it's it's not picky. It'll kill even good stuff. It'll kill your right, lady. Which bugs. is why It'll I kill. chose to do that. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So hand picking, if you can do that, it's always better. If you've got a small area and I choose do to do, yeah. usually if I end up going to something like neem or DE diatomaceous earth, I've, I can't keep up with it by hand picking. Yeah. I try to do hand picking just because it's the least invasive. Cause I think neem oil can even affect bees. Yeah, they're, so, they all, yeah. a lot of them will have, there's repercussions yeah. that aren't good if you're overusing it or not being more. But I try but, um, to keep ahead of it. You just, you know, that's why I like, I do like a garden and my garden's grown pretty intensively. It's pretty close, but I can walk through it every day and keep an eye on things. And, and that really helps. But the other thing you can get is um, scab and you can get aphids, leafhoppers, hornworms, whitefly and wireworms. So Basically, anything you can get in that family is your yeah. potato is also going to be susceptible to. Now, scab, I haven't had issues with it, but um, I was trying to remember. I've never had issue with it. My father-in-law used to grow potatoes, and he would get it a lot. And I, I think it has to do with your moisture, uneven moisture levels. And you can just peel that off, but it will affect the quality of your potato. And if you're yeah. going to be able to store it, you're not going to be able to store it if you've got scab and blemishes um, okay if you have blemishes or you hit one when you're harvest you're gonna want to eat those first sure yeah but um yeah because they'll rot pretty fast <laughs> in storage <laughs> yes they will i was looking for my notes on scab because like i said i haven't had it a lot but um i don't think i've ever had an issue with it here but yeah, it's the it's similar to blight. It's basically it has to do with how much water you're watering you're doing, and um, you keep the soil consistently moist and not letting it go back and forth. So I I probably should put in the show notes, but the moisture meter I used it wasn't expensive, but it is really helpful. Yeah, drop that in the show notes for sure. Folks because a lot of people will say um, I've actually had a lot of friends ask me I don't. I'm watering my garden, but it's like really dry in the middle of summer or something. I'm like, you might not be watering it enough, especially here in Michigan. We have lots of sand. Um, and so that moisture meter will tell you if you're watering, overwatering or underwatering. I think that's one of the biggest issues all of us have with gardeners have is we either want to, we want to overlove our plants and water them too much, <laughs> or we think we're watering them enough and we're not watering them enough. Yeah. So. It's a helpful tool. It's also been my experience that a plant will tell you when it's thirsty, but it won't tell you when it's drowning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Until you get easily over water. <laughs> until it's too late. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Once it, once you know that, it's pretty much done. <laughs> so in fertilizing, for me, I 
don't use a lot of fertilizer. I tend to use compost or um, we do have, I should preface this by saying we water our garden from a very large mucky lake. So what I'm getting from that water is fish poop and algae and nastiness that nobody wants to swim in, but my garden absolutely loves. Plants love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting all of that. So you, and then I'm adding some compost and then the the leaf mulch and mm-hmm. hay. Um, Do you find that, that mulching and or putting layers of compost over helps with the moisture retention quite a bit, which which helps with the, because you say the one to two week, I would think that would be with mulch because you, that would dry out pretty fast without, without it, any kind of mulch it or anything. It really helps a yeah. lot, especially considering, and then it helps, I mean, that all breaks down and goes into my soil, so sure. I don't feel bad doing it, but um. Yeah. It helps a lot, especially even though we live in Michigan and we get pretty much lots of rain, but the last couple of years, it's been kind of iffy. The year, so 2021, we got so much rain, we were drowning and there was literally houses falling into Lake Michigan because we got so much rain. Wow. Yes. Like it was eroding the shore so bad. There was house, big houses Jeez. falling. In. Yeah. 2022. We had such a horrible drought that we had stuff drying up. So, you know, it kind of everything is shifting like everywhere else and times change. But for the most part, that mulch really, really helps. And oh, yeah. There's been times where it's actually created moisture problems. So I do have to be careful. You kind of have to learn to read. If we're getting a lot of rain this year, then I don't need to water as much. And that's where, yeah. again, that moisture meter comes in. Last um, year, we couldn't have possibly watered enough last year. It was so dry. <laughs> we went through, it was horrible here. Which So last year, I used tons and tons of mulch trying to keep yeah. moisture in because, and trying to keep that ground covered under all, I mean, I did it in all of my plants, not just potatoes, just trying yeah. to keep that ground covered because yep. we just did not get rain. It was brutal. <laughs> it was so bad. It was, yeah. It was really bad. So well, we we've did the hard work here. We got our potatoes planted. We kind of maintained them. We got what looks like some healthy plants. Uh, how do I know when it's time to harvest them? I always harvest once the plant tops die back. Yeah, they literally just die back. Well, I do too. Um, it, it will look like they're getting diseased, but really, it's just their time and. The plant um, will just kind of start falling over and turning yellow and getting dried out. You'll know if it's disease or if it's just time because any seed potatoes you buy, they'll kind of come with the instructions on days to harvest. Like a lot of them's 80 to 100. I've seen 60 to 80. I don't, they're usually in that range anywhere from usually 60 to a hundred days, depending on the, on the potato. So if yep. it's close to those times when it's saying, and that, that plant lays down, that's time. Yeah. It dies back. Yep. So yeah. then, and before that, if you get hungry and you want to try some baby new potatoes, you can kind of reach your hand in there and pull out some of those nice little potatoes and cook them up with your dinner. I mean, you can harvest them before they're big potatoes, yeah. unless they're just fingerlings and they're never going to get real big anyways. But you can harvest them before that. You're just not going to get the huge size. And those yeah. are amazing. We often do that a few times in the summer. We'll just reach under the plant and it doesn't hurt the plant to reach in there and pull a few potatoes off for dinner. We probably should mention something about green potatoes. Oh, yes. Probably so should mention that. 
Yeah. So the one of the reasons you want to hill your potatoes is because you want to keep your the little growing spuds out of the sun because once they get exposed to the sun, they they'll turn green and that green part is actually a toxin that will t- turn them bitter and they will taste not great and it's also not good for you to eat. Yeah, right. It so that is why you hill them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is why you hill them. The I can't remember what the toxin's called. I can't either, but yeah, I just but know there. don't and eat a green potato. So you hill them <laughs> up and you keep them, and that's why you keep them out of the sun. Yeah. And um, you do that and they'll be good. Yep. Yep. Definitely want them covered. You don't want any exposed. And sometimes if you don't hill them, they will raise up. You'll see like the oh, they'll they kind of grow at surface level and you'll see them start popping up through the soil. Cover them. You don't want that because like I said, it'll turn them green and then they're no good. I mean, they're definitely not good for yep. you. You shouldn't eat them. Um, could make you very sick. So don't, don't touch those, but how, okay. So you can get, get under there and get some early, but what, when it's time to like really harvest, what do you do? How do you do it? I take a garden fork and very carefully <laughs> kind of stick it in the ground and just gently, they, they should come right up. So the best thing to do is kind of let the soil dry out a little bit so that they're easier to harvest. Mm -hmm. Because if you hit a spud with your fork or your shovel when you're pulling them up, you're going to want to eat that right away because and, it's and it'll break your heart just a little well. bit too, especially if it's a yeah. really big one. You're like, that was going to be the biggest one. And I, I just drove a fork through it. Oh man. And I've done that <laughs> Me too. several times. So yeah. And you don't want to bruise them either because yeah. all of that affects how long they're going to store. You can just kind of so. stick it up, you know, kind of come back a little, maybe a foot and then kind of just dig yeah. it down and kind of pop it up and just kind of push up real gently and it'll kind of lift everything up and then you'll still have to kind of dig through that soil a little bit and you and know you'll still just, miss some <laughs> you'll miss some and they'll come and my experience is they've came back the next year i mean i had some do yeah. that come back the next year but uh up there with you maybe not so much because yeah, so they cold. turned mush and freeze up yeah here, here i've had yeah. them come back yeah especially in my raised bed i grew some in some raised beds and they came back uh, real nice. good i was surprised that would um, be fun yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not, I mean, like you said earlier, it's fun to harvest them. I mean, it's, oh it's just like a, it's just a hunt, you know, and it's just, I think it's a lot of fun and you if just, you especially when you're having kids. a good crop. Yeah. yeah. If you have any little kids around, man, this is the time to get them into gardening. Cause yeah. this is like the Easter egg hunt for gardeners. <laughs> yeah. That And is. like when you dig up like carrots and beets and stuff, it's just so fun to see. And, and honestly, there. Like I said, I don't have, I haven't had the best crops the last few years, but the year I had that really great crop, I'm running around with a, with wheelbarrows full yeah. of potatoes. And I, the, I was like a little kid. I was so excited. I was like, uh-huh. look at this. I mean, I was just freaking out because I had all these potatoes, <laughs> you know, I was just amazed. Well, and then you run into the problem, which we'll talk about next is how to cure them. Cause yeah. you've got, I ended up with my whole porch and I have a fairly large deck lined with this single layer of <laughs> potatoes and I was trying to shade it and keep them out of the yeah. sun and because that's how you so once you pull them out you don't want to wash them if you're going to store them you don't want to wash them but you do want to let them you want to brush off the dirt yeah and let them they call it cure and um you want it at like 45 to 60 degrees out of the sun yeah. in a single layer and and you want like some airflow around them and they'll cure and it will, the curing is what makes that skin just a little bit thicker and tougher. And it will depend on the breed too. So yeah. like your fingerlings and stuff, they're probably not going to get a thicker skin on them. But I grew a lot of russets and kennebec last year 
and you could actually visibly feel the difference in mm-hmm. the potato from when I harvested it and a couple weeks later. Yeah. And then once they were ready to be stored, I dusted them off even more. And then I put them, I had gotten boxes for like raspberries and blueberries from the store, cardboard boxes. And they had lots Praise of holes kind of. all around yeah, in them. Yeah. yeah. They were cardboard though. And I had, I stored them in a single layer and yeah. just stacked them up in my basement which isn't super cold because I don't have a root cellar. That's like on my major whisk list to have a root cellar. But um, I stacked those up in a coolest dark part of my basement. And those lasted till late February, early Mm -hmm. March. And I had harvested in August or September. So that's a pretty long time. We were able to eat those. And then I started sorting through them as they started growing eyes and that was when I started making hash browns and French fries and blanching them and freezing yeah. them and canning them. And then I sorted through the ones that I thought were, um, and I should backtrack. So when I picked these plant, when I went through and harvested these from the garden, I had picked some of my best tomato or potato plants that looked really healthy. Um, and those were the ones I had set those potatoes aside yeah, because so you, you want to pick. So, the did you best buy any plant. this year? Or did you only just save from last I year? I did not buy any this year. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, look so at you. You self sufficient. <laughs> you want to just pick your best plants. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It didn't have press or pest pressure. It didn't have disease. Um, yeah, because eventually you create your plant that does really well for your garden, yeah, your sure. area. It acclimates. But um, so that was the. Uh, Oh, yeah. And then storing them. So my storage wasn't ideal, but it did work. But ideally, they want 38 to 40 degrees and 80% humidity because potatoes do like, they don't necessarily love dry. They like humid. Um, But they're, and there's varieties that store longer than others. Yeah. Like I said, the, the, yeah, there's some that do. The red ones are probably, I think, are considered the worst for storage. I think so, but uh, from what I've understood, <laughs> red and purple. Um, now, uh, if you don't have an ideal situation to store whole potatoes, you can do what you did later in the year right off the bat. You could freeze. You can make yep. hash browns and freeze. You can actually uh, slice them real thin and freeze. You can. Um, I cubed some and canned them for soup. You, you could even like yep. shred and then dehydrate and then grind them up and make like a like an instant potato, a mashed potato almost out of them. You yeah, can do that. yeah. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do um, for freezing and then you like you said canning and dehydrating. There's a lot of things you can do there. Oh, yeah. Yep. to uh to preserve them if you don't have an ideal situation to store whole potatoes but um and you probably should do some of that just as a security anyway just to make sure you have some left if something would happen yeah, yeah. and my goal whole goal was to get them to store long enough to have seed and, um for to replant this year and we will see this is actually the first year i have done all my own seed so we'll see how that well awesome. it goes at yeah. the end of, you know, at the end this fall, we'll know how, how well that experiment went. And so, um, that's how I grow those. Now, I don't know if you want me to get into my experiment with. We can in a minute here. I, first, I yeah. want to also say this about when you're storing your potatoes, um, you got them all in a single layer in each tray, like you had them or however you're doing it. Don't just put them there and forget about them. 
Go down routinely yeah. and check them yeah. because if you get one or two or three rotten ones in a tray, Ugh. it will quickly ruin the others. I mean, it, it's weird. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's like that. It's like that bad apple. Yeah, I was getting. Ready to say, it's yeah. kind of like that bad apple thing. It'll spread to the whole thing, and it will do that with potatoes because it just it's just and it's it's pretty easy to smell when you yeah. got some going back. It oh, has a yeah. distinct odor. Um, but look at them occasionally. Unstack your stack and look through there and just see what yeah. you got. And if there's any bad ones, get them out of there. And those uh, raspberry crates. I mean, you can probably yeah. get those at your grocery store. They were they're just they're cardboard, mm-hmm. and I think I got them like fifteen high. I had yeah. so many potatoes, so many potatoes. I got them like 15 <laughs> high. I think I had like three stacks of them and I would do just that. I'd go down like every couple weeks mm-hmm. or, and I just unstack them and slowly pick through them and pick. Yeah. And that's how I decided which ones we were going to eat was the ones that, Starting oh, this one looks look like it's drying up. Yeah. 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 That's, and yeah. then when it got to the point where I was like, okay, a lot of these are drying up. I ended up having a, all right, what am I going to do with all these? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so there's just some hints on 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 storing because it is a big issue. If you get a nice crop, I mean, getting and getting them to last several months, I mean, it is a, it is part of the challenge, and it's uh, you know, it can be it can be challenging depending on where you live, especially if you live in a hotter climate. Like you're up in Michigan, it's a little oh, bit yeah. probably better for you in the basement or whatever. There's some places where a basement's going to be 80 degrees, probably you know, or even if summer. they have one. I mean, a lot it, of or even if you don't have a basement, you might have to just look at alternate. Uh, ways of doing that, uh, storing them or whatever. And, and, uh, you just got to deal with the situation you have, or if you can get a root cellar, put a root cellar in, mm-hmm. man, that'd be yeah. awesome. Or uh, a refrigerator, how, I suppose. Or extra yeah, you could. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just some different ways there, but just, I found that I had, I've, I've lost, uh, several boxes of potatoes before because mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention to the situation and uh, that's why i kind of wanted to mention that keep an eye on it because i've yeah. lost lots of apples that way yeah yeah i have apples too yeah me too and, and that's know. that bruising and scratches it is detrimental when you're storing especially fresh fruit and food like that is and, and, yeah. and if you are growing several varieties eat the ones that aren't as long storing yeah. varieties first and then get to your, like your russets and your Yukons and things like that later. Cause they're going to hold up a little bit better. So just eat the ones, you know, won't last as long. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, good stuff. So let's hear about this experiment. Okay. So the experiment is when you <laughs> grow potatoes, you're going to once in a while, see this little seed ball that grows at the top that looks like a green tomato, a small green tomato. Not, mm-hmm. not all of your, Potatoes are going to get this only once you, in a while. You, Does it happen? I, just, just to stop. I all the time on Facebook, I'll be like, I'll see somebody talking about this. Why, why is my potato plant growing? Did it, did it cross pollinate? I mean, I, I've seen that question right. so many times. Why is it growing tomatoes? It's not a tomato. It's a seed ball, basically. It's a seed ball, yeah. and it is not edible. It is not edible. It is not edible. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Poisonous. This so, is where the term night, it's a, it's a nightshade, yes, really night sense. Yes. Nightshades are, you know, the, the green parts are not edible. <laughs> right. So what I did with that was I had several of those for my man potatoes this year. And I took those seed balls, let them get kind of mushy on the plant. Once they got to the point where I could squeeze them a little bit, I took them off and I let them ferment just like you would a tomato. If you were going to harvest seeds from a tomato, you kind of let it get all nasty and ferment. I let those ferment. And then I took the seeds out and saved those. And I planted those. So the reason I did that was because I wanted really badly to not have to buy potato seed. 
the actual clones. So the tuber is a clone of the plant. I didn't want to, if I could not get my potato seed, the tuber to save all winter, I wanted to have a viable option. And this also helps you breed new breeds because these seeds are not clones. They will, you're going to have, I'm going to grow some really good potatoes and I'm going to grow some really nasty potatoes. Literally, they'll be bitter and yucky out of these plants, but you can develop your own variety. Do they cross pollinate? Do we get cross pollination varieties through the seeds like that? Yeah. Yes. So they, so I will get, so with the seed, you're not going to get true to type. If you save from the tuber, you're getting an an exact clone of the plant Mm -hmm. that you grew the year before. So anyways, a lot of people do this to develop new varieties. That's how a lot of these varieties we've come up with and you have to do it over and over and over to stabilize whatever potato you get. So it's just so it's mostly you're going to be doing a lot of sampling to see which ones you like yeah. as they grow and then figure out if they're worthy right. to, to clone or take the potatoes from and then carry on from there on out. Yeah, yeah. and then I will try to save the tuber from the ones and, that we like and, and see what happens. So, so it's a total experiment. It is, you know, it has nothing to do with, um, it has everything to do with me trying to be self-sufficient, but it is probably a large time suck. But I'm enjoying every moment of it. <laughs> so you're saying in a few years we'll be buying the Jameson variety potato yeah, somewhere maybe. where you okay, cool. I'm yeah, looking forward maybe. to it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be acclimated to northern Michigan. Well, but, all right. Yeah, I don't know if it'll grow here. I mean, but oh well, we'll try it anyway. But I'll yeah, so that's <laughs> that's been my experiment and I did not expect it to go as well. Um I planted, I just tossed tons of seed into each little cup that I started and I probably I have hundreds of baby seedlings, so I'm going to have They're growing, though. That's cool. I'm, they that's are cool. growing. I don't know anybody to... that's grown their potatoes like that. Nobody. I've never heard of anybody. Really? There was a young man that did it here locally for a while, and I followed him, and I thought it was a, fun, cool. a fun experiment. So This is what know, makes gardening every once in a while, <laughs> Yeah. Every once in a while, us gardeners go on a little tangents and do experiments this is my experiment you have your water chestnut well you know what you were saying that and it it was coming to my mind water chestnut and it was another failure i'm wanting to tell you about i forgot all about when i was doing my updates well i think nothing's nothing's came up yet oh that's i'm thinking they're not gonna i'm thinking they're not gonna grow so i don't know what i did wrong but it seems like i did something wrong (laughs) well i have done my other experiment that i have been working on has been a failure two years in a row which is sorghum yeah, I have not. I have yet to get sort have it go long enough to get grain. So yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. You tried some things. You work work out, and you were happy yep. about it. And I don't. It doesn't bother me. You know, too bad. I mean, it's no. cool. I in my mind, it's like if it's that hard to grow, or if it's that it can be that inconvenient. I probably don't need to be growing any waste of my time trying to grow it anyway or force it to happen. Right. You know. Oh, um, so to get back to the seed balls, you grow them basically just like you would grow a tomato. So yeah. when you start a tomato seed, you're going to grow these the same way you would grow a tomato. So I'm not going to put these out yet until I would put tomatoes out. Just don't put them with your tomatoes and forget what it is and try to have a fried green tomato because right? you don't want to eat those. You don't want to eat those. No. <laughs> well, that's good stuff. I think that I think you definitely shared some information with me that I have to consider and help out. I already messed up this year. 
right? I already, I already got so, the, uh, the store, the feed store potatoes in the ground. Well, maybe, maybe I just need to so, put them in a little but bit. But I do think I'm going to work with the pH a little bit and try to yeah. get that pH adjusted. Maybe get some sulfur on that. Try to get that uh, a little and bit maybe better conditions. Your new garden plot instead of your really amazing soil of your raised beds. Yeah, I definitely won't be uh, dropping anything on it. It's going to increase nitrogen. Um, you know, you know what you could actually do is reduce nitrogen by actually adding some wood chips to it and pulling a little bit of that nitrogen away. Oh, yeah. Could do that if that's, and that would also help with the moisture. So I might even consider that. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to do some experimenting as well. I, I want, I want a good crop of potatoes. I don't know if I'll get it or not this year. Um, like I said, I've had a good crop in the past, but I've had some well, and I think we all go back and forth. I yeah. mean, I could easily lose everything this year because we get a ton of rain and I get blight or, yeah. you know, it's and, just. And maybe I just look at all my crops now in light of that really awesome crop I had that one year. And maybe a lot of people right. would be satisfied with the crop I've been getting. But exactly. I, I always compare it with the possibility of what I had that one year. And I'm going, OK, I'm not even half that, you know, and it just doesn't seem like enough to me. So I know I can do better because it's done better. We'll just have to and that's why we all plant variety yeah. because yeah. you could easily have a crop failure and then you've got nothing to eat. So right. that's why we plant right. all this variety. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. I think a lot of people can benefit from that. And I think a lot of people can, uh, maybe it'll get them a desire to get out there. Like you said, they should have already probably put them in the ground in most places by now. Um, yeah. Um, there's varieties that it depends yeah. on where you're at too. It I depends, mean, yeah. Like you said, it, they might be planting in the late fall too. down in down South. So you just have to look at your zone, kind of consult right. the documentation for your area for what's best for what time of year to grow them. And, uh, some people can get two crops in depending on yeah, where they're at. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, mine went in last week, so I'm, I'm about dead on really. I'm just a couple weeks before the last frost date. So yep. I'm about dead on really for the timing. But we'll see, you know, like you, like you said, it just depends on where you live. Um, yeah. And if you, one of the things I use to control potato beetles too, is if I think it might be, you can put row cover over those too. Cause, yeah. Uh, the, but, but then there you is get a, moisture issues. Here's an so issue. It's, and here's what I've heard about potato beetles is that they're, in their life cycle, what they actually do is they go down in the ground. Yes. And so if you put that netting over while they're yeah. in the ground, they come up under the netting. Anyway, so yeah, they can. Yeah, so I I don't know that. Um, I mean, you have to catch them in the right stage where they're actually, yeah. you know, laying eggs or whatever. So, um, yeah, there'd have to be a pro right. I don't know what that is exactly. I haven't done the research on it, but yeah, there'd be a right time to do that and a wrong wrong time to do right, that. Right, exactly. You actually be just could be just trapping them in there <laughs> with your potatoes. Um, and that's yeah. why the rotation, the rotation, the rotation is. Yeah. And you want to do that even for the nutrients anyway, because a mm -hmm. lot of these are heavy, like, like a lot of your nightshades are like peppers and tomatoes, especially are heavier feeders. You'll get a little yeah. nutrient deficiency if you don't rotate those. I usually, I usually go back with like a, uh, like a, a leafy green to a fruiting vegetable back yep. and forth because, you know, those take a lot less nutrients and kind of gives your soil time to replenish the next year. Um, mm -hmm. you know, or you can, you can loaded up with fertilizers and things, but I like to just kind of do it more natural. Yeah. yeah. I tend to grow a lot of tomatoes one year and then take a year off and just do eating tomatoes. So I grow a lot one yeah. year and I can a ton of it. And then the next year I just grow like this year, I'm only growing three tomatoes for eating fresh eating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you grow a lot. Yeah, I do. You can, you, you can like crazy. You're a maniac with the canning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're slowing that down a little bit because uh, 
there's not as many of us home and we don't eat as much. Yeah. I found that too. It's like, I got stuff that I'm not even touching in there. And it was like, I'm not eating it. You know, it's like, I'm just every year. I feel like I'm, I'm adjusting, you know, the, what we're canning and what we're growing even, because I just look right. at the pantry and I go, we didn't eat much of that. We ran out of that three months ago. I need to grow more of that. And probably hardly any of this, you know, and it's like, you just have to, it's a constant readjusting. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And your tastes change and the people in your house change and things just happen. So you just adjust, you know, well, look at what happens when you and I get on, we haven't been on together in a while. And we, we talked potatoes and gardening for, for quite a while. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, folks, I guess we'll we'll stop it there. Uh, Rachel's telling us we're too long-winded, so we'll jump off here. Um, <laughs> until next time, happy homesteading. God bless. And grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free It's a modern homestead Build a modern homestead A lot of folks don't understand why I this way they've never eaten from their land like we do here every day snapping beans like grandma did sitting on her front porch hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores it's a modern Today